The following podcast will contain graphic, disgusting, crass, foul, mature, and immature content. My name is Roscoe Toscobble. I enjoy long walks on the beach, spending time with my daughter Gracie, and murdering people. My name is Colvick Darkley. I'm a half-white cleric of Hyaya. And I'm the keeper of the secret ingredient. This is Melvin Hardmeat. And you can reach the third dimension through my butthole. Hmm, previous on the Very Good Venturing Team. <laughs> and then for no reason at all, he explodes backwards and shatters against the wall. Oh no! <laughs> Is he okay? Can you save him, Colby? <laughs> I look at him. I say, look at my... He chose poorly. <laughs> they could take that bowl, right? I'm, yeah, just don't that, eat out of the motherfucker. Out of <laughs> Evil Colvick. Making people play Russian roulette. I'm gonna cast sleep on record. I actually am going to be kind of upset because I cast a spell. It was for the good of the group. I saw somebody else do it. Mm -hmm. It was my thing. And so I'm just going to look at you and kind of just mouth, what the hell? A euphoric wave of super chillness washes over you. You have chosen. Don't even mind that Hans died. (laughs) (laughs) I I trust him, guys. 100% trust him. 100%, he said. Mm Mm-hmm. 100%. And suddenly, a bubbling begins, and moments later, Melvin rockets out of the water and hurtles into the sky, spraying water all over their picnic. (laughs) And then drop to the ground in the three-point hero stance next to this picnic. And Roscoe, you now uh, have a permanent boon and have resolved the long-standing and unresolved quest of your father. Rest well, Dad. Uh, well, whatever your DC is, it's higher than two, I'm guessing, <laughs> uh, which is what the Chimera rolled, so uh, it is popped out of existence. Okay. Uh, you need to just sit down. Yeah, we're just going to sit and... Do you want to just... I mean, we're by this wolf fact. Do you want to do like a short rest or something? <laughs> I'm not going to have you do absolutely nothing yeah. for a minute. Yeah, we, uh, we have a minute, so we're just going to sit here and... <laughs> make idle chit chat you guys need to get like some of those folding lawn chairs you know like pop those up be like all right colvick we can't play cards or anything like you just gotta sit here this uh banishment thing is really coming in handy it really is just go away thing (laughs) i was like debating not to use it but i took half my hit points the first hit i'm like Uh i have to at least try because this thing will kill me Man, I really gotta. I, apparently, I gotta really ramp it up to give you guys a decent threat. So, 
You know, just just for giggles, uh, I'm gonna have you. Uh, I'm gonna have you roll a d20, and as long as you get three or above, you maintain your concentration for a minute. Fourteen. Okay. Okay. okay like you gotta do something. <laughs> wolf comes back alive. It starts attacking you. What do you? Oh yeah. Can you revive the wolf? Not for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Not for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> for a minute. No, I. Uh, yeah, we should be able to though. Then it'll attack you. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> doesn't know what happened. Um. So, uh, so you guys are like, <laughs> you're fucking sitting there having completely oped that encounter. <laughs> what else you got? Nerf your banishment spell. <laughs> Two more, <laughs> pop. <laughs> Glorp and Scree reappear. <laughs> Turns out concentration is permanent for this spell. Here's what happened. Colvick cast Banishment. He banished that Chimera. And then we played for probably 10 or 15 minutes after this, not realizing what we had done. And then Colvick said this. I do have a question real quick. Was this creature in existence in our plane? Was it uh, a creature of our plane? Which is when we realized that the spell doesn't work the way we thought it did. After one minute, the creature pops back into existence if it is native to the plane you're on. A chimera is a messed up magical abomination, but it is actually native to this plane. We played rules lawyer for quite a while and eventually settled on just doing Colvick's turnover. No problem, right? Happens all the time in D&D. Wrong. We normally don't fuck up the rules this bad. Well, a better way to put it would be that we don't normally realize we fuck up the rules this bad. But when we do, we typically just do the turnover and cut out the middle part where we were stupid. And before you say anything about it, we edit it out because it's boring. If it was funny or entertaining, you know we would leave it in. Anyway, we started the turnover and life should have gone on as normal. However, this came right at the end of an episode break and I forgot all about it until I started editing this episode, which happened to be after the release of the last episode. So the only option I had was to record this big, long, stupid explanation so that when we start Colvick's turnover in a moment, it all makes sense. So, I'm sorry I'm dumb, forget that the banishment ever happened, and we're starting Colvick's turnover. Here you go. Colvick, it is over to you. Alright, so the thing is big and in charge. I do have my Inflict Wounds since he is so close, so I'm going to walk up to it and cast Inflict Wounds on him. 12 is going to hit. Very nice. 4. Cast it at a higher level. For 37. Hot damn, 37 damage. Kablooey and Kablao. Chimera is inflicted wounded. <laughs> Did you want to do movement or uh, bonus action? Anything else on your yeah, turn? Yeah, go ahead and step in front of Melvin and try to get in front of him as much as possible in that little space. <laughs> well, you you can't occupy the same space. I cannot so. occupy. So. Do you give me the butt or the crotch when you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Question of etiquette as I pass by. Yeah, I'll move closer to Melvin, so it would be... Um, what I'll say, because because Melvin is willing... I'm going to say that because Melvin is a willing target, you can, uh, you know, butt scoot him back a square. Nuts to butts. <laughs> Just to give you the space that you can get between 
Melvin and the Chimera. Okay. I just can't stop saying it now that I realize I've been pronouncing it wrong for 37 years. Chimera? Like, because I always, I've, I remember reading it in, you know, nerdy D&D books when I was a kid and be like, oh, the Chimera. Like, or on Final Fantasy, like playing the. Yeah. yeah. That's probably where I saw it first and I was like, uh, Chimera. 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 Like a, we have a letter for that sound. Like, why wouldn't you use the, the K sound for the K? I remember watching, like, I don't know, uh, X-Files or something where they had, like, a guy who had the exact same DNA as another guy or, or something. It's like a... Chimera is like a... Also like a... Some... God. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a metal thing where you have two different types of, I think... Is it blood types? Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's what it is. You have two different types of either blood types or two different types of DNA or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Chimera is also a metal band. Oh, it's gotta be. There's no fucking way somebody hasn't used yeah. that. That sounds like a metal band word. Uh, an organism containing a mixture of genetically different tissues formed by processes such as fusion of early embryos, grafting, or mutation. Kolvik, did you want to do anything else on your turn? <laughs> Bonus action? Or, uh, <laughs> anything else? Thanks for coming to my rescue, bro. It's a pretty bro back. thing to do, bro. Welcome back. I'll give you a high five on the way out. Slap! Yes. And stand in front of you. It's like I'm tagging gotta, you in. Mm-hmm. No, no, exactly. it's got to be because you're stepping in front of him facing the chimera. You just got to put a hand behind your back and he oh, gives you the low slap. Yeah. Baseball butt slap. Whack. Going through. <laughs> they give you a slap on the ass. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, bud. I got this. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> Dude, baseball singles. And that will be the last of it. Good strong play out there. <laughs> you did great out there. Hey, I see this thing that says breath tracker and five. I think I know what that means. Yeah. I was going to do it with like a dice or whatever, but I don't know. Cheat I figured any, anything that's visible directly to Melvin, he's going <laughs> to figure it out. Well, cheat so. Melvin. <laughs> yeah. As a quick side note, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the quick Twitter battle you guys had. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. <laughs> Melvin. I was hoping we'd get some monies off of that, but we'll, we'll see where it plays out. Yeah, it's good. It's all, it's all good stuff. It's all publicity stuff, <laughs> right? One of you guys is going to have to marry a Kardashian now. But as your character. Don't you threaten me. (laughs) Melvin, tell me about your turn. Let me ask, uh, now that Kolvik is... uh, came to my honor, I guess. To defend my honor. um, Am I... Like, would I have to disengage to move? Uh, No, you are not within melee range of this creature. So the, the rules around... Um, attack of opportunity is as you leave melee range. So if you like skirted around the side and got within five feet and then left that, then you get it. But, but I'm not in melee range of this guy. Yeah, yeah. You're not since you're not starting there. You don't have to worry about it unless you Word. fuck up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cast haste on myself. Wizard missile. That's what I do. All right. And I mean then, that gets you another action. So. Oh, this turn. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you can't cast another non-cantrip spell on this turn, um, but you can take an, an attack, you can do you gotcha. can do all kinds of fun stuff. Cool. All right. Um, and you have all of your movement left, and a bonus action, in fact. Which is really nice. Just in case it ever comes up, just so you guys know, an action and a bonus action are two very specific resources that you can use, but you can't, like... You can't take basically two bonus actions on your turn. If it takes a bonus action, it takes a bonus action. If it takes an action, it takes an action. So cool how much cool stuff you get off of that haste with like the two AC bonus and then the advantage on dexterity and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my movement to try to circle around this guy and get behind him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make sure I'm very careful not to get within melee range. I'm going to take the long way around. We'll see. And then as soon as you approve that that's okay to do. Oh yeah, yeah, you've got more than enough movement to do that. I'm going to cast a cantrip on this guy called True Strike that I haven't really used yet. Ooh, I don't think I've seen this one yet. At all. Don't you read me this uh, description? Oh, good, good call, man. I forgot about that. I'm not going to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, you could have just used the haste to get out of the way and then cast it. I guess so. But I'd actually, like to... no. Once you lose concentration uh, on haste, you're basically like a pile of rubber for a minute afterwards. Yeah. I think. <laughs> we gotta remember to do that so combat ends and Melvin just face plants for a minute <laughs> guys guys I got an idea of what we can do next time we're gonna here we're gonna go yeah. here's <laughs> man that's interesting because a lot of spells are concentration for you yeah interesting is there anything that allows me to concentrate on more than one spell at a time <clears throat> there are certain magic items I don't think there's any spells gotcha um, and there might even be like a feat or something like that that allows you to do dual concentration. Um, which, when we get around to level 12, I want to say, is when you'll get your next ability score improvement. Um, you can choose to take a feat instead of the ability score improvement. Which I did the last time, too. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, so, uh, what I would like to do is move around behind this chimera. Alright, you're about 40 feet directly behind it, that works out. And I'm going to throw one of these water elemental stones that I have in my inventory. Oh, snap. Uh, Good call. And I'm going to throw one of those uh, right at its butthole. <laughs> Can you put it inside of his butthole? And <laughs> That's what I'm going to try to do, but I don't know what's going to happen. Um, well, what, all right. So let's step back and be specific here. Are you going to try and, like, butt plug this thing? Like, you're going to push it in, or are you throwing it at... <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to try to throw it. I'm not going to get close to its buckle. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stay away from the exhaust, I think. All right. Uh, so you're like, you're whipping this thing as hard as you can at that small thermal exhaust port. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do, just because the idea amuses me. Uh, I'm going to have you roll percentile dice. And if you roll a 99, you brown star it. A 99? So you're saying there's a chance. There's a, you have a one. You have one chance. You have to roll a 99. Oh, 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 oh. 71. Aww. Aww. All right. Hey, you know, I think the number one rule as a DM is always say yes, but there's got to be, you know, there's got to be chances. Bounced off the rim. <laughs> <laughs> Just the rim. Rolled job. around it once or twice. I think you have to throw it hard enough to shatter the uh, the gemstone for the elemental to come out. So maybe the soft tissue. Never mind. I'm not going down that road. They're saying I missed. Right. No, no. You you uh, you actually do need to. I mean, I didn't get I didn't get it on the bullseye. Is what yeah, you're you didn't bullseye, but the elemental is still going to come out. Actually, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my bracer and go back in time. Not all that I missed. Uh -huh. Six seconds. And I think I'm going to run and try to jam this thing in its butthole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Winter speed. So basically, so the way I understand this works, 
I'm just going to tell myself six seconds in the past, like, you're going to miss jamming in its butthole. <laughs> are you, like, running it with your hand and kind of putting it in, or are you going to run by it and Well, he's So in? picture double speed Melvin is, like, probably running at, like, a 45-degree <laughs> angle in a half circle around this thing. <laughs> And then yeah, you're Coming gonna around the pop and you're like you're you're snapping on the rubber glove and jam out uh, outstretched. So I'm just gonna have you make this as a ooh man, how what is a good roll for running with an elemental gem and trying to shove it into an anus? <laughs> um, Survival. <laughs> I am gonna go with just a straight up. I, I, you know, I want to say strength because I feel like this guy's got a, you know, a tight pucker. But I, I think we're gonna go with a dexterity roll as an attack roll. Okay. Um. So do, give me an attack roll and add your dexterity modifier. Oh, come on, guys. Awesome. I rolled an 18. Excellent. Uh, you are able to successfully. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say you get like wrist deep with this gem, and because it has to be like smashed to activate, you reach in there and you like crush the gem in your hand, and then bloom an onion your way out. Do you have to roll to get out? <laughs> no, I, I feel like it's just ready to go. The, wa- the water elemental is already helping you at this point. <laughs> Your exit Look, strategy. That's a hell of a enema, huh? <laughs> okay, so now, how do I roll damage for a water elemental appearing inside of your colon? Um... <laughs> Wow. Because that would expand, right? I mean, it would be a solid form still, right? I mean, I guess it's water elemental, so it's just the worst enema you've ever had. <laughs> spraying out. <laughs> Towards all, all six of its eyes exploding. <laughs> oh, man, the cartoon look on this thing's face right now. What? Water elementals have six eyes. Uh, I figured three heads, right? The chimera's got six oh. eyes. Uh, they're gonna be the eyes are gonna be popping out of the b-hole like animal beats. Okay, so a bunch of eyeball anal beads. Gross. The chimera's gonna be outraged, <laughs> <laughs> offended even. <laughs> I think that would be a pretty awful... All right, so because this thing is a liquid form, I am going to say that this doesn't just outright rip this thing to shreds. Melvin, what I'm going to have you roll for (laughs) is I'm going to have you roll 10d10. Oh, my God. Nice. Butthole bludgeoning damage. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. 46. 46 damage. So that is not enough to kill this thing. But it is definitely pushing pretty hard on wrecked. Uh, as the water elemental squeezes its way <laughs> out of some damaged tissue. This is definitely the most creative use of a water elemental. <laughs> We're going to win an award for this, guys. <laughs> All right, rather than playing this out any further into the absurd extreme that we've gone, a water elemental is going to get two attacks. It does 
an average of 13 damage on each of those attacks. So this Chimera is, uh, after forcing this thing out through the wrong end, the water elemental turns around and gives this thing a double fisting. <laughs> and kills the Chimera, smashing it to death. What color is the water elemental? Exactly. <laughs> oh, no. Is there, like, poop floating around inside of it or anything? <laughs> I think it's furious at you. <laughs> For birthing it in such a place. Yeah. <laughs> on his color deficiency glasses. It's brown. It's brown. (laughs) (laughs) Impure water elemental. (laughs) Somebody run me through a Brita. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) This may be the worst thing we've ever done. That's it, by the way. That's the title of the episode this one's going into. The worst thing we've ever done. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, at least combat wasn't boring for Laura. (laughs) Okay. I mean, we we definitely schooled the shit out of this chimera. What else you got, DM? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I've got for you? I've got a little heartbreak for you. So, Melvin, you had scooted your way around to the far side of this chimera, and you happened to place yourself not terribly far from where the the wolf and her cubs were. Uh, As the dust settles, you're all kind of like bracing yourself and trying to figure out what's going on. and uh, and Melvin, you you like you like take a step back and you feel your leg bump into something. You look down and you see a single wolf pup, the sole survivor of the conflict that you had stumbled your way into. Uh, it was shivering by your leg, staring at its mother and siblings. And uh, as you bump into it, it looks at you for a moment, and then it leans into your leg, shivers a little harder, and continues to stare at the remains of its clan. Boy. You have about 40 seconds before you face plant to unconsciousness in a wave of lethargy after your haste spell. <laughs> Is there any way I can try to bring anyone back with a uh, Revify? I'm going to have you roll some investigation. All right. 10. A 10 on your investigation. Uh, that's not real great, but it is enough to know that, uh, these things are missing enough pieces that reviving them is not going to work. This thing wasn't just attacking for funsies, it was looking for a meal. The chimera. 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 So I kind of feel the tiredness coming on from the end of the haste spell, and I take off my bomber jacket and I wrap it around the wolf cub just in time before I kind of conk out and basically become a piece of crap on the ground <laughs> how long are you a piece of crap on the ground by the way uh, haste there it is um when the spell ends the target can't move or take actions until after its next turn as a wave of lethargy sweeps over it oh so i mean you're back to normal in six seconds i was thinking you were unconscious for like a while well this wouldn't be a bad spot to do a, a long rest probably i mean we can have some chimera meat of different variety of, what do we got here? Bird, <laughs> lion, and... We each get our own head to eat. <laughs> a buffet of different variety on this thing. And Grace we can... Jaunts over and like, I get the tail! Yeah! Alright, well, Melvin, you got your bomber jacket wrapped around it. and uh, 
as you as you uh, fall over to the ground, uh, it kind of gives a little lick on your face with a little bit of a whimper. Obviously, it's not having a good day. Uh, a few moments of recovery. Well, sorry, six seconds of recovery, one turn, and uh, you pick yourself back up again. Um, and there you all be, standing in this clearing. Anything else that you want to do before you continue your journey back to Andon? I want to cut off the Chimera's horns. Which horns? You got goat horns and you got dragon horns. Both. Four right. horns. Trophy. Well, if we aren't going to rest, I do need to do a cure on myself then. I'm hurting. Right, yeah, you guys, can, you guys can take a long rest here. There's, there's. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the middle of the day. It's a normal clearing in the woods. I think nothing else is going to be any, coming anywhere near this clearing for a while. Okay. Its tail is a snake. Uh, I don't think it is in this game anyway. Well, let me take a look. You've been looking for something to make a whip out of for a while. I'm thinking boots. Ooh. <laughs> it doesn't say that the tail is a snake, but it is a... I mean, it's it's like a dragon's tail. Oh. So I'm not would, super interested. I'll just take the horns off the heads that have horns. Okay. Horns are gotten. Anybody else want any parts? I mean, here's the store. I suppose it does have a lot of scales on it. Mm-hmm. The anus is not big enough to make a belt out of. <laughs> yeah, I think I do want to take the head of the dragon. I think that'd be a good trophy for a place of more conquests we've done. Oh, sure, sure. I'll uh, try to harvest some scales if I can. Okay. Add uh, Add items to inventory. Well, after all of your harrowing adventures here, uh, you guys arrive back home in Andon. The earliest parts of spring are settling in across the land. Temperatures are a little bit warmer, but your ride home is wet and miserable. Good old spring. You get back to the shop. You know, you guys uh, wash and brush your horses, leave them fed and warm in the little shack outside of your house in the backyard. And uh, Perkins greets all of you as you enter the home. Grace is excitedly telling Perkins all the things that happen on the road. Uh, and in the midst of those stories, Perkins uh, remembers something. He sh shuffles off to the front room and comes back moments later. And he is holding a letter that has arrived for Kolvik. Kolvik, this letter is from your brother, Waktug. W-A-U-K-T-U-G. Tug. Many years ago, he met his wife, Snack, in town. S-N-A-K. I was a big fan of that name. Uh, she's a half-orc like him. She was part of a nomadic caravan of orcs and half-orcs that roamed the land in brightly colored carts and wagons called the Free Raven Company. They travel from town to town across the Kingdom of Coal, putting on performances. The original pass-through was about ten years ago. They stopped to perform some old bardic legends and plays for the town. Your brother fell in love with her as a performer. And when the caravan moved on, your brother moved on with them. They've come through since then, and you've always been happy to be reunited. It's probably only been like twice since then, over the course of those ten years. So I'm, I'm on good terms with Waktug? Oh, for sure. All right. Yeah. The letter tells you a little of his uh, life and, uh, and love with the troop, but it turns dark pretty quickly. He tells you that they are currently on their way north, towards the mountains again. They pass this way every year. Sometimes they are lucky, sometimes they are not. In the times where they are less lucky... Their caravan falls victim to the savage war clowns of the north. Oh no. They typically only kill a few in a raid, mostly just looting and taking whatever they want. 
He's heard you've become an adventurer, something of a local legend already. He begs you to come to them, to help them defend themselves against these awful marauders. He says that they will be in the town of Akron soon, and will stay there for a few days. If you ride there, and then head east along the trade road, you would definitely encounter them on the road soon after. The letter closes with him saying that he understands if you are not able to come, and if not, he hopes to see you again in the next year or two when they hope to pass through Andon again. Well, I kind of read this, and feeling distraught in that a family member of mine is in trouble and has been showing need of my help. So I kind of almost dropped the letter in my hand, knowing that family is very near and dear to my heart. And I'm trying to explain all this to you guys of who he is, who his wife is, and what I know about him. And then kind of end off, we have to help him. Yeah, fair enough. We have to help him. Also, I like adventuring. <laughs> <laughs> What else are we going to do? <laughs> and fuck those clowns. <laughs> I like that Melvin's response. He kind of just looks around. Yeah, what else have we got going on? Okay. That's cool. Right on. All right. I'm in. Hey there, VGAD fans. Thanks for coming back. I already interrupted the episode once to ramble at you, so we'll keep this short. I did want to share that we got a new review from TBean83, and that review is, Oh my gosh, I cannot stop laughing. These guys are amazing, and I am eager for more. I adore their take on D&D and love the levity. Great characters, great story, great fun. So, thanks for that, TBean83. Mighty generous of you. I'll remind all of you that you too could leave us a review on iTunes, which really helps us out tremendously. It helps new people find us, and that's awesome. You can also find links to all kinds of fun stuff from our website, thevgat.com. If you haven't found us on Twitter yet, we are at VGA Team over there. I don't post a ton of stuff to Twitter, but if there's any kind of update or relevant show news, it will likely end up there before anything else. Okay. As promised, short break. We now return you to the episode. So you guys take a couple of weeks to pack up provisions. Uh, or sorry. Do we need to get any more water elementals or anything like that from the shop you're looking for? Uh, I myself have one more in my inventory. Okay. But I guess the question you're asking is, do we have to do any more shopping? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do we, fellas? We have, at last check, $20,000 in gold. 20000 gold. I was going to ask, do you guys have any health potions or any way to heal yourselves if the time comes? That's a good question. I know... Because I have a potion, a rare potion in here, but there are nothing of healing. I don't think I have anything. I don't. Yeah, I think that's something we should think about stocking up on the... For the ride out. You can definitely look. The one thing I never liked about the health potions is that they don't actually heal you very much and they're pretty expensive. Yeah, they really are. I don't have a water elemental in my inventory for some reason either. You have one. I remember you guys distributing them last time. So it's not there, just to add it. I know you haven't used it. Let me see. Uh... All right, yeah, if it's not worth it, then never mind. I have to go to the I'm email to check out the list. A potion of healing is 50 gold, and I think that only does, like, 2d4 or something like that. Or yeah. Okay. No, it's really then. dumb. I mean, it's a good idea, but it... Yeah, at this stage, it doesn't really do jack. 2d4 plus 2? 
I mean, it's, you know, it's like keep somebody from dying kind of thing, if you wanted to think of it that way, but... Um, also, do we need to do anything more with the wolf? Yeah, a little wolf. I mean, I suppose Gracie's staying behind on this one, so she can be able to nurture it. Uh, so, let's talk about the wolf for a minute. You guys have, uh, you guys have gotten home, and, and Melvin, I mean, this thing is like... It's too small to have been, like, walking along with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, uh, well, I guess my in my head, I imagined that you, like, basically had this thing in your lap the journey back. Aw. Uh, riding along on the horse. And uh, it's, it's not, like, aggressive towards anybody else, but it seems to only care for Melvin's company. Doesn't really like anybody else getting too close to it. It hasn't, like, snapped at Gracie or anything like that, but, you know, it just kind of mean mugs her and, like, tolerates her coming over and petting it because, of course, she wants to pet it every fucking opportunity there is. But you can you can tell that it's just, like, acceptance uh, of the situation. It's not, like, Inuit. Uh, but this thing rode with you uh, up on your saddle the entire way back. I, I guess as long as you're cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. You guys have been feeding it, you know, nurturing it along and all the rest of that and what have you, and... uh now that you're back in the shop, it's like, it just doesn't really stray too far from you. Looks like I got myself a little bonded wolf here. Yeah. Woo, woo. Do you what? have a name for this wolf? Well, what uh, what does it look like? A wolf? Is it a, <laughs> a white wolf, a gray wolf, black Color, wolf? spots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, does it look like a dick? <laughs> just a wolf but it's shaped like a dick oh, I mean, like, I, I, <laughs> it's an odd shaped wolf <laughs> what's up with your dick wolf over there <laughs> just writing Law and Order episodes <laughs> um, it is it is a its body is entirely gray, uh, but its face has streaks of uh, darker gray and black kind of mixed in among it. <sighs> well, I suppose it does need a name. I guess the only thing I can think of is... Uh, wolf. <laughs> just call it Wolf. Dick Wolf. Well, I'm just thinking about how I actually... And it is a he, right? Uh, yeah, you, you, you flip it over and uh, <laughs> check the undercarriage. It's a he. <laughs> So I guess I'm just thinking about how I actually saved this wolf, and uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna name him Starfish. <laughs> That's a terrible name. <laughs> we'll, call him, we'll call him Star for short. How about Rusty for Rusty Bad <laughs> Sheriff's Badge? <laughs> uh, you know, I read something not terribly long ago that that. Dogs and cats actually respond better to two-syllable names because it's easier for them to identify the word than it is, and they like they respond more positively to that. So, starfish would be a bizarre but good name for a wolf. Starfish. <laughs> Fucking starfish. I dub these starfish. So you you call it uh, as as you're hanging out you. Uh, you know, everybody else is, like, settling back in and unpacking, you know, bringing their stuff upstairs. And you lean down and you're like, what about starfish? <laughs> and he perks up right away and gives you a little lick on the cheek. As I'm cleaning all the blood and guts off of him. <laughs> Beautiful little starfish. 
Who's my little starfish? <laughs> As I'm petting my starfish. <laughs> Can we change the, the coloration to brown? <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, this uh, this wolf is um, clearly taking a shine to you. And uh, and is, is not really, like, happy to be around anybody else. Like I said, not mean, not aggressive, but seems to seems to fancy you. Well... Looks like I got myself a pet wolf, fellas. Welcome to the family. <laughs> hey, yo. Picking up fucking strays everywhere. <laughs> kind of my life, I guess. Yeah. So you guys take a couple of days to reprovision and uh, and pack everything back up. You're only in town for a handful of days, but uh, you start making your way north towards the northern mountain ranges, towards uh, towards this little town that you were told to go find. Are you bringing the wolf? I think so, but um, I'm going to have to put him in a backpack of some sort, I guess. Probably just a holster. <laughs> just a, a side holster, just large enough to fit a small wolf inside. <laughs> Do they make horse sidecars? <laughs> Get him some goggles? Yes, actually they do. <laughs> I suppose that's basically a chariot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you, you bring him along and you, you guys very much, I'm sure, make sure that Grace stays home this time. She's not going to tag along for another journey. How prevalent are these war clowns in the north? Are they kind of just roaming around everywhere outside of this Akron town or is it? Uh, so there is a mountain range that extends across the continent. So mm -hmm. several thousand miles or a few thousand miles, whatever the scale I established was and I already forgot. Uh, there's a mountain range that extends across the continent from ocean to ocean. And the war clowns can be found in scattered <laughs> tribes along the uh, along the whole like base and foothills of those mountains. Um, there's not a ton of them. <laughs> that is amazing. A sidecar for a horse. <laughs> but it's a sidecar for a horse. A sidecar on a motorcycle with a horse in it. <laughs> Uh, I would say basically anybody that, so like Andon is right in the center of the continent and uh, to the north of you is largely plains land up to the mountain range. To the south of you is largely forest and some plains up to the mountain range that borders on the south. And anywhere that you go in that northern plains land, especially the further north you go, everybody knows about the fierce war clowns that come down to periodically raid villages, etc., but they're a relative scarcity. Uh, there's definitely a lot more, you know, civilizing influence than there is uh, rampant war tribes of clowns. <laughs> they're out there. Everyone knows where they are. They're, they're the reavers, you might say. Field just rampant with war clowns. That's a it's great dangerous. image. I mean, now you can hear in the trees. <laughs> 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 the squeak of balloon animals being turned. Oh god, no! So you guys travel north, and you eventually arrive in. Uh, you eventually arrive in Akron, and uh, it's been a you know a couple of hard weeks on the road. Like I said, it's it's springtime. It's early springtime, so the air is damp. It's a little chilly. It's getting warmer the further north you go, but only by a few degrees. Um, definitely a lot of rainfall and whatnot as you're traveling. It's it's unpleasant. And uh, as you arrive in Akron, you decide to spoil yourselves a little bit and stay at the local inn. 
You're hanging around in in the bar, in the tavern, uh, sort of in the in the open area, and Melvin, you overhear some folks talking at a nearby table, and something catches your ear. You hear the phrase "clam slam." Clam slam. Something you thought only to be a legend. You look over and there is an ancient man whose every inch of exposed flesh is covered in tattoos, including his shaved head. Dark, weather-beaten skin covered in black ink. Well, I shouldn't say covered. I mean, it's patterns and various things like that. And the person that he's talking to, uh, like, kind of laughs and shakes his head and walks away, dismissing this old man as, you know, crazy old coot spreading rumors. And there you are, sitting at the table next door, uh, swelling down some apple juice with your with your friends. What do you want to do? You want to do anything about that? Yeah, I want to go over and ask this old old timer. Uh, what was that you said about clam slam? Clam slam. A huge grin splits this guy's face as he looks at you, and he says, mm, "There is a place, mm, a magical place set apart from time and war." Place too beautiful to be known by too many. So the legends say. Not far <laughs> from here either, not far at all. Thirty miles to the west there is a river. I believe it's called the Brahma. Follow this river north into the mountains, into the valley that lies beyond. If you live, if you make it, <laughs> you might find a tiny little fishing village. Though many a traveler has passed right through it. So the legends say. Some of those legends, though, they say that the beloved game of Pogs first saw light in this world there. <laughs> I gasp. So you're lying, old man. He just cackles in response. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You're saying that I'll find the legendary Clam Slammer at this fishing village? Uh, the Clam Slam is a, is more of like a, an event that's legendary. Oh, in an the, event. Uh, the Clam Slam is, is said to be the greatest of all Pogs tournaments. Though a few have any details and none are reliable. Mm. Well, we have a conundrum, fellas, because I'm awfully intrigued by this mighty Pogs event. But we do have Kulvik's family to help out. What to do? What to do? Should we split up? Are you, are you are you thinking out loud? Are you talking to us? Are you kind of internal? Well, he's monologuing? sitting over at the other table. Oh yeah, still. okay. So I'm thinking this to myself because now I have this option in front of me. But um, you know, we do have a duty to do you know our when friends the, and family. Do you know when the clam slam clam happens? Slam. Yeah. When does the <coughs> clam slam happen, old man? Always and forever. Think it over. I'm going to go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets up from the table and, and scuttles his way towards mm. the back of the bar. Oh, I'm, we're never going to see him again. You should shoot the Ray of Perkins at him. Help him <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> I can help with that. Um, so is, is this guy a wizard or... I'm just looking at you because you're looking at him, I guess, right now. I don't know. Now I'm just watching him go to the shitter. <laughs> so then I look back at you guys, and I come over, and I'm just like, listen, have you guys ever heard of the Clam Slam? No, I've never heard of the Clam Slam. Well, ben. well, I know you guys don't know this, but it's the biggest and best Pogs event in this world. The greatest Pog champions from all over gather at the Clam Slam, clam slam. to slam their clams. 
and do you think this is your year? I don't know. I've never competed in the Clam Slam. I've only heard legends and rumors. But it's what every Pogs player aspires to attend. Hmm. Kovic, does this interest you at all? At this point, I'm really not even looking at you. I'm kind of just kind of dazed off and thinking about what I have to do at hand and what my mind is on. The moment is family. So you want to go to this Clam Slam? Is our choice binary? I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to this old man and see when and how often this clam slam takes place. All right, talk to your old man. Assuming he comes back. So I'm going to go and try to find him. Maybe uh, poke my head in the shitter and be like, hey, old man, are you in here? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay, just making sure you're not dead. God damn it, I'll be back in a minute. Um, so you go back to the table and it, and it, it takes this old man a couple more minutes to uh, to, to come back out. I mean, you disturbed his, his flow, so... Uh, he comes back and sits down and says, You're still here! I really want to know more about the Clam Slam. Clam when is it? Slam. Oh, it's all the time! What does that mean, old man? <laughs> <laughs> the village is timeless. It exists in another time and place. So the stories go. Have you been there before? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know about it? Well, you know, you hear things. <laughs> <laughs> Are you another plot device? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives you a wink. <laughs> so the story told. <laughs> um, anything else I need to know about the Clam Slam? Uh, he doesn't really have anything else sensible to offer you. Well? This guy's got a real crazy old coot, you know, mystical vibe to him. Gotcha. He's just going to vanish into thin air when we're done talking to him. I mean, he could have done that while he was in the shitter, but... <laughs> but I went and checked on him. <laughs> have you ever seen The Life of Brian? Yeah. Yes. I'm picturing the guy that took the vow of silence that gets his foot stepped on. <laughs> a, yeah, there you go. That's canon now. But covered in tattoos. What can, uh, what can one win if they win the Clam Slam? Clam Slam. I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> um, Thanks, old man. So, Melvin, after after a little while, you get the idea that talking to this guy any further is pointless. He's he's delivered his plot divide for the message, and he's old and senile. Yeah. Uh, so you uh, you migrate back over to the uh, the table with your buddies, and uh, well, it sounds like you guys have some things to talk about. Yeah, I think I want to do this, but. We have priorities, so we have to go and help Kolvik's family first. But things turn out well on our way back. Maybe we swing through Clam Town or whatever and check out the Clam Slam. Yeah. I like the sound of Clam Town. I was trying to think of, like, you're down to clown and then you're bam to clam. I couldn't think of a good one to come back to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you guys make your decision. You enjoy a, a relatively calm evening after this. Go upstairs and take your rest. And the following morning, you proceed east along the trade route in search of Kolvik's brother. So you guys had an entertaining evening in Akron. Got to hear the legend of the Clam Slam. Had yourself a restful evening afterwards, and the following morning you uh, you set out on the road. You work your way east along the trade route, and it takes you a handful of days, but eventually 
the site of the caravan is before you. Uh, what you see as you're approaching is about 12 fucking, the fuck do you call those things? Wagons. Uh, yeah. So on the road ahead of you, you see on the, on the north side of the road, a bunch of caravans. There's 12 of them. You see a whole bunch of people milling about. And once you get about 50 feet from those, you see a lone figure running out to greet you. Kolvik, you recognize this as your brother. And he is excited to see you. Very happy, very cheerful. And he says, Kolvik, my brother! I it is my... so good to see you. <laughs> Waktog! It's great! Hello! It's been so many years. It has been so many years. I got your letter. I see that. I assumed you wouldn't have come otherwise. Coincidence. So, uh, what's going on? What, what do you need us for? Well, we are traveling along this northern road, and as we travel, we will come to places where the war clowns, the vicious war clowns of the mountains, will come down to attack us. Okay. We ask your protection, because none of us can fight for a shit. <laughs> In Soviet Russia. <laughs> <laughs> you clowns attack you. you. <laughs> so I kind of remember the last battle we have and kind of get enraged. War clowns. They've shooken us down before. How many are we looking at? Well, it depends. Every time is a little different. I'm waffling in and out of different bad accents. Hopefully <laughs> none too offensive. <laughs> well, clowns. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I go ahead and introduce them to Roscoe and Melvin. He gives each of you a deep bow. Uh, so this is Kolvik's brother. He looks uh, looks a little bit like just an older version of him. Uh, he is also a half-orc. He is brightly dressed like a performer. And uh, and he beckons all of you forward to the camp. Starts introducing you guys around. You see there's probably about... It's hard to take a real guess, but there's about 60 people here. Uh, they are dominantly half-orcs and orcs. You do see a handful of halflings and humans scattered here and there. But by and large, this is very much orc and half-orc. Are they all seeming pretty... Cool with us coming in, especially with an elf coming in and a half-elf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, these good. people are the, you know, roaming performers of the land. They've been everywhere. They're very, um, what would be the right word? I don't know. They have a high degree of exposure to everyone everywhere. So seeing people of any species, etc., isn't really going to bug them. Okay. Nice. Maybe is, they take, like, a little bit of extra note, but you're not getting dirty looks or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Is Waktug a half-orc, or...? He's a half-orc. Half-orc as well. So, uh, racially, he's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? The Big Lebowski. That's right. <laughs> and they're looking at all the pictures of the kids. And proud we are of all of them. <laughs> So he brings you into into the 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 circle of wagons, and like I said, it's a there's a a road going east to west. There are the caravan wagons that are all assembled, sort of in a circle around a, a fairly large open area. To the south of the road is a fairly wide river. Just a whole bunch of people setting up for the evening. You've gotten here. Let's call it around like five six o'clock, something like that. And uh, they're all getting their wagons ready and preparing food and. They've got the horses unhitched from the wagons, and they're grazing on one side of this clearing. So these are just traveling performers who are being waylaid by war clowns? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, he, uh, so he takes you to the sort of matriarch of this tribe. Um, 
he introduces her as Shagar. And she is also ecstatic to see all of you. She is she's overjoyed not only that she finally gets to meet Waktug's brother Kolvik, famous now in all these lands for uh, not only being the brother of Waktug, but his own deeds, his uh, his own building fame, and of course the two of you also associated with that. And you're all invited to uh, a little dinner festivity, maybe a little uh, performance that they're going to be practicing some of their entertainments. Ooh, very nice. Kolvik, do you want to provide any food for this uh, feast that they have here? I think that's a wonderful idea. A beer. Uh, do you have anything on the menu that you would particularly want? Uh, they, they're like, you can just make food? Yeah. When, uh, Don't worry, I got a specialty for you. You're going <laughs> to love it. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you that can summon food from There's, the, <laughs> there's no kankus in the group, is there? No, there are no kankus in this group. <laughs> Perfect. And I mean, really, if you're just producing it out of nowhere, I mean, it's not like any actual kenku were harmed. It tastes like me. <laughs> They're eating it, eating it, familiar, familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you guys uh, shack up your horses with their horses and settle in for a, a night of festivities? Doing, if we're doing a, a long rest, if we're able to, I'm going to switch out and add a new spell in called tongues yeah yes. yeah i've been wanting to do that for a while and i forgot this would be a good opportunity to do that shout out to uh at color underscore dm if i mm-hmm. recall for uh sending that message out yeah sending that one out and that will grant me the ability to understand spoken languages and moreover when a target speaks any creature that knows at least one language can hear the target and what i say and that will let me use the cool mind one controlling one geez nice yeah right on so the evening begins you um you set up uh your your stand of magically produced food for all of these people blow a couple spell slots on on feeding this and uh well let's just see here how well received kenku is eh they're kind of into it they're not super into it nobody's spitting it out or anything like that but you can see if anybody goes back to seconds, they're going for like, you know, the, the soup and biscuits and stuff like that that they've got out there. A little bit of kenku left over at the end of the evening. I wonder if that pisses anybody off. There's got to be somebody out there that's like, fuck these guys and fuck this podcast. I love kenku. Well, I think like one of the popular ones, the Critical Role guys, they have a little baby kenku running around with them. Oh, no. So I think of that every single time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Critical Role. <laughs> And all of your fans. Uh, and they put on a wonderful performance for you. One of the big caravan wagons, um, the whole big side of it, like, you know, folds down into a stage like the old-timey performing troops. And uh, rather than practicing individual sections, they put on a, a whole big play for you guys. And uh, and it's wonderful. You enjoy it very much. Your, your brother is, uh, he's not actually a performer as maybe you would kind of come to expect he's more of like a stagehand in the back probably because he didn't mm-hmm. grow up with the troop but so as it's settling later into the evening and the tribe is going about getting their kids to bed and some of the adults are settling into wine and other beverages walk tug invites you over to speak with shigar about the about the war clowns and it basically just explains that, you know, they don't really know when it's going to happen. They just sort of travel along along the road, get as far as they can get each day. 
the next town that they're traveling towards is about 10 days out and they're they're getting to that territory where they think that something might happen where there's a the possibility of attack so they're uh they're just kind of hoping that you guys will travel with them for a few days have you done anything to irritate these clowns no we've done nothing to irritate these clowns they just come these fucking clowns every year are you traveling with any unauthorized clowns unauthorized clowns I'm not sure what you mean. Are your clowns licensed and bonded? <laughs> <laughs> we have no clowns here. That would be that would be foolish and shameful. We are serious performers. Have right, you done right. any performances in clown territory? We found out personally that that causes big issues to clowns. Well, just just so you guys know, <laughs> the war clowns of the north. These aren't like this is like a, a species of thing. Oh, this oh, isn't okay. oh. this isn't the union. No, no, this <laughs> no, isn't the union. Like the this is like get together. this That's is like a, wild savage, basically humans, um, but they're you know they're this is a, like the local four hundred six of the Warcon Union. Uh, local four twenty sixty nine. That was a different local. <laughs> no, they they go on to explain. So you guys are asking about you know what the war clowns are and. They're um, they're a tribe of warlike savage people. Okay. Um, sort of like a sub race of humans, you might say, mm-hmm. or subspecies. I should I should stick with the term species. They so happen to come along, balloons and weird shoes and bobber hammers. <laughs> beep beep. So. <laughs> but wicked bobber but hammers. Wicked bobber what have hammers. they been armed with? Uh, they typically have axes and and bows. Do they have a leader? A leader clown. Probably, but is not one that comes on raids. What they, they are very loose people. They hide in mountains. People come across road. Sometimes they attack. Sometimes they let go. What do they want? Do they take anything from you? Treasure? Yeah, they'll take some things. Sometimes food. Sometimes women or children. Episode 44, If You Roll a 99, was released on August 19th, 2018. I can't believe I have to wait a whole week to get you more. Vegan! 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 The Very Adventuring Team! (laughs) Scene, interior parking lot. Guy Fieri sits in a convertible. He looks like America. (laughs) (laughs) Guy Fieri says, I'm Guy Fieri, and there's nothing you can do about it. Today I'm eating it all. (laughs) Guy takes a bite out of his hair. (laughs) Interior diner's kitchen. Guy and a chef stand in kitchen. Guy has three pairs of sunglasses on. The sun can't get him. (laughs) Guy Fieri, prove to me you can panini. Chef starts boiling a pot of milk. He's scared. <laughs> Chef, Flavortown is near. <laughs> Guy points at Onion with his slippery finger. Guy Fieri, that's one ugly clam. <laughs> Interior diner's eating room. Customer sits and eats a cup of mustard. Guy sits down without asking. I will live as a food. I am a food. <laughs> Customer, be a pie. <laughs> 
Guy acts like a pie. The customers aren't concerned. <laughs> Guy Fieri. I am Pie Fieri. It is my birthday. <laughs> That's not really written by a bot. fire. <laughs> the chef comes out of the kitchen with a cake for Guy. Guy Fieri continued. The clams just keep getting uglier. <laughs> That's brilliant, though. <laughs> I, I am pie fear. <laughs> pie fear. Somebody should drop pie fear. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Oh, that's like one of the best things I've heard in a long time. Uh-huh. Clam slam.